The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sportbox. President Trump is warning he may not sign the stimulus bill, saying Americans should get a bigger relief check after months of wrangling between Republicans and Democrats over the size of the rescue package. Congress found plenty of money for foreign countries, lobbyists and special interests while sending the bare minimum to the American people who need it. It wasn't their fault. It was China's fault. Not their fault. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen intensify their hotline talks to get a compromise on fishing rights in the hope of reaching a trade agreement by tonight. France ends its blockade against Britain, reopening its border to EU nationals and freight traffic, while the European Commission recommends the bloc lift its blanket ban on UK travel. And Apple shares rally adding over $62 billion to the tech titan's market cap on rumours it's developing an electric car, while Tesla's Elon Musk claims he considered selling to Tim Cook a few years ago. So, very good morning, everybody. President Trump has said he may not sign the $900 billion bipartisan relief package, calling the bill a disgrace. He's demanding changes to several key aspects of the bill, including an increase in direct payments to Americans. House Democrats say they plan to vote on the issue this week with Speaker Nancy Pelosi, tweeting the move could be passed unanimously. NBC's Alice Barr has more. President-elect Joe Biden addressing the nation ahead of the holidays, urging Americans to stay vigilant against COVID-19. Our darkest days in the battle against COVID are ahead of us, not behind us. Biden also speaking out on the suspected Russian cyber attacks that infiltrated U.S. government agencies and private businesses. This assault happened on Donald Trump's watch when he wasn't watching, but rest assured, that even if he does not take it seriously, I will. The president-elect promising more help for the battered U.S. economy, vowing to negotiate another round of stimulus money. Overnight, Congress finally passed a $900 billion COVID relief package that includes more money for unemployment benefits and small businesses and direct payments of $600 for Americans making less than $75,000 a year, plus another $600 for every child. Those payments could start arriving next week. The White House has said President Trump would sign the bill into law, but tonight he cast doubt on that. In a video posted to Twitter, the president railing against what he calls the bill's wasteful spending and asking to increase direct payments to $2,000, while again falsely claiming he could still be in office next year. Send me a suitable bill or else the next administration will have to deliver a COVID relief package and maybe that administration will be me. President Trump tonight also beginning what's expected to be a flurry of pardons, including two men who pleaded guilty as part of the Mueller Russia investigation. 
If President Trump should decide to veto the COVID relief bill, Congress could override him with the two-thirds majority in both chambers. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. As you can imagine, the tone is risk off on markets, counting down to year end with a fairly thin trade around the holidays. What we've had concerns around now, the stimulus bill, as markets had initially been very much fixated on further relief coming through the system. But this week, the focus has very much shifted to the course of the virus with the latest variant here in the UK and concerns about what that could mean for fresh lockdowns and further restrictions. So the market yesterday just taking some bets back off the table. And don't forget, it's been a monumental run in recent months. So investors somewhat cautious and no doubt closing out some of those positions. If you look at some of the big moving stocks across the market too, it was different ones for the Dow, the S&P and NASDAQ. And as you can see, the NASDAQ was in positive territory. For the Dow, we saw Goldman Sachs having the, the biggest negative impact. And don't forget a day earlier, we had seen a rally around some of the banking names around uh, the Fed allowing uh, buyback, uh, share buyback programs to recommence. So, so effectively, the, that was one stock that just reversed course. Also for the S&P, it was Facebook, the social media company having a hit uh, for the Nasdaq. We did see uh, the flip to, to the green and Apple was one of the, the positive stocks that we saw on the market. And this is how it played out. Don't forget a day earlier, we'd had that news flow crossing about uh, the potential for Apple to move into the electric vehicle space. But uh, investors having very little time to digest that news flow as it crossed and pretty much just before the close and about an hour left and the Reuters report. So the market yesterday seizing upon the detail in the copy and uh, pushing the uh, value of the company up $102 billion, a fairly sizable rally intraday. Came back a little bit of territory, but still up 2.8% by the close of the session. The Asian markets, we are watching, uh, are bouncing to the green. So uh, parking some of the negative sentiment for now, but fairly cautious for Japanese stocks up a third of a percent. A little bit stronger for the other markets from Hong Kong, China to Australia. And a quick look at what we're seeing on the commodities complex. It's been a bit of a rough ride for energy uh, this week. In fact, we've tried to test some of the lows that we saw during that market sell off Monday. And uh, you can see 46 to handle on WTI. And we are perched just below $50 on Brent, Jeff. Yeah, thanks very much, Karen. Let's uh, bring in David Pierce then. David is uh, director of uh, GPS Markets. David, very good to have you with us here. Um, very open question. As we come into year end and we begin to think about positioning into early part of 2021, how should we think about the direction of the dollar and its impact on other currencies? Uh, thanks for asking and thanks for having me on the on the program this morning. Um, this is going to be a really interesting year, and it we've seen a lot of volatility in 2020, and I don't think that that's going to be any different in 2021. We've we've got a lot of pressure that has been put on the markets because of COVID. It has really changed how a lot of companies are buying products around the world, and it is it has changed where people are making their products as well. And Volatility really, really is the watchword right now, and we've seen that a lot with the with the British pound, especially with the the new variants of the COVID virus. And there's just a lot more uncertainty in the world, I think, today than that than there has been even over the last year. Uh, we've got a new administration coming in the United States. We have still a lot of uncertainty with when this when we're going to be over this COVID virus, and and exactly how well and how quickly the, you know, the inoculations are going to work for the people around the world. So I, I think the volatility is the thing that we've got to worry about. And we're seeing a lot more people 
come to us with concerns about volatility and wanting to do things to protect themselves because they, they're expecting a lot more movement in currencies over the next year. So what I'm hearing from you, David, is uh, range trading as a result of volatility rather than strong conviction on direction. Um, If that's accurate, where do you get the biggest bang for the buck in terms of trying to play the volatility uh, beyond dabbling, obviously, in the derivatives markets? Sure. Um, Well, we've seen a lot more movement in the emerging markets over the last uh, little while, and I expect that to continue. Uh, A lot of that is because we have seen fewer COVID cases recently in Asia and specifically in some of the emerging markets. That has caused a lot of people to want to invest uh, in those economies. So we have seen those currencies strengthen. Um, If we look specifically at the Chinese renminbi, it has strengthened quite a bit over the last few months, and frankly, a lot more so than the Chinese government would like, because it makes their products more expensive. So I would tell you that the the emerging markets look strong, and any country that is um, doing well from a manufacturing standpoint seems to be really doing a good job of strengthening their currency. And those look like the better plays right now. David, as you talk about currency volatility and a lot of investors are either hedging or wanting to play some of that volatility, uh, to what extent do they need to take into consideration currency intervention? So we're hearing it from the Japanese side in a report from November that uh, the Japanese were keen to defend the 100 level. So do we need to be mindful that some of these currency trades might be somewhat impacted by some intervention moves by central banks? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. Because when you have a country that is whose economy is based on manufacturing and export, if their currency becomes too valuable, their products just become too expensive for people to buy. And they start moving manufacturing from that country to somewhere else. Right now, we're seeing a dramatic shift. A lot of companies moving manufacturing from, say, China to Vietnam and, and Malaysia and other countries like that. I I was just on uh, talking to one of my clients this week that has got a lot of their manufacturing moving from China, specifically to Vietnam. And the concern with that is if in addition to not only the the value of the currency, you've got to think about the tariffs that have been put on China. When you have a 25 percent tariff put on your on your product, there's actually a lot of Chinese manufacturers moving production to places like Vietnam and Malaysia so that they can get the product out of there, but they do not have to, the, their customers are not going to have to pay those tariffs. And that's making a big difference in the directional move of a lot of these currencies and the amount of money moving back and forth. Can I ask you about Bitcoin? I was uh, wandering past uh, a couple chatting the other day and one was a security guard and he was talking about Bitcoin and the rally. And this took me right back to several years ago when taxi drivers used to be talking about buying certain stocks. And it feels as though we've got a lot of hot air now in uh, the Bitcoin trade. What do you make of this march into cryptocurrency and how much of it is just sheer speculation? Yeah, it's, you know, we get Bitcoin over $23,000, a Bitcoin, it makes a big, a a bit, lot of spectacle out there and a lot of people want to be involved in it because when you see something moving two, three, four hundred percent, 
nobody wants to be left out. And so there is a ton of speculation. But at the same time, it is part of the move that people have out of out of like known assets. And you see that uh, we've had a huge rise in the price of gold and silver and other commodities. And there's a lot of people feel like moving some money into Bitcoin and the other cryptocurrencies is really a move towards a, something that is more secure. And rather than seeing all the money come into the US dollar or into just gold or silver like we have done in the past, cryptocurrencies are starting to become a place that people are looking to invest their money. The other thing that I think that is a big factor in this is because the world has kind of been shut down. People are not going out to restaurants and to, and to you know, businesses and buying things. They're not out in the retail marketplace. I'm starting to see a lot of signs come down as businesses close. People are looking for things to do with that money. A lot of that money is going into the stock market. That's why we've seen the stock market go up so much. Even with the economy doing poorly, there's so much money being put in the stock market because people aren't spending it on other things. It's allowed the markets to gain worldwide. Additionally, we're seeing people go into things like cryptocurrency because they're looking for a way to make greater gains. David, what an extraordinary end to an extraordinary year here with President Trump saying after months of negotiations that he may not sign this latest stimulus bill and that Americans should be getting $2,000, not $600. Well, there are a lot of Democrats that would actually agree with him, but just bizarre that he's taken this line given the negotiations that we've seen. So help us understand what happens next here because the markets are assuming that a Joe Biden presidency is going to mean a lot more stimulus to come. Do you think that's actually true here, given how difficult it's been just to get this $900 billion over the line? Well, I think that you, just before I came on, you were talking, Joe Biden was on there on discussing how he wanted to have additional stimulus. But if you think about Donald Trump and what he's been saying, the thing that he's really against is not the $600 per American that is eligible for this, but it is the additional, let's call it $2 billion in spending that was earmarked for thousands of different things. There was what, 5,500 some odd pages in this spending bill. And I think that what he's trying to say, the message that he is trying to give to the people is like, let's let's just pass a, a bill to help people recover from COVID. Let's take everything else out. I'd much rather give $2,000 to every American than spend money all over the world. And I think that it is it is not out of character for Donald Trump to, you know, turn sideways or make a 90 degree turn on something. And for him to actually come back and say that he would like to have more money go to the American people and less money distributed elsewhere is, I think, fairly in keeping with what he has said all throughout his administration. Now, that being said, do I think that Joe Biden will want to put in additional stimulus in place? Absolutely, he will. Um, we're not through this yet. And there's a lot of people still struggling. So I, I don't think that that's uncalled for either. 
We're going to say goodbye, David, but thanks so much for joining us. Um, our director's calculated it must be about 11 o'clock in the evening there. So best of luck with yeah. whatever is left of your evening. And different by thank nature, I read, is the tourism slogan for Salt Lake City. So thank you so much for joining us from uh, your part thank of the world. You, David. David Pierce, have a great Christmas, uh, director of GPS Markets. And let's take a quick look at what we're seeing elsewhere on the markets. Uh, we are watching a market that's been somewhat mixed uh, in the session. So uh, we'll see whether that's going to translate to uh, some more nervousness on this side of the world. And of course, one of the big issues we've been watching has been Brexit and the other has been the reopening of uh, the border here. And uh, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen have intensified direct talks in a bid to try and reach a compromise on fishing rights. Both sides have admitted that negotiations are likely to continue after Christmas, but the leaders are reportedly trying one last push to an attempt to reach an agreement by tonight. France has reopened its border with the UK allowing freight and EU travellers with a negative COVID test to move between the two countries once again. This is the European Commission recommends the bloc review its blanket ban on travel from the UK. Coming up next, we'll discuss the impact on the airline space when we speak to City's Managing Director of EMEA Research, Mark Manduka, that is coming up at 7.30 CET. Also, a change in the direct listing process. This could be enormous. We're going to hear uh, from the New York Stock Exchange president after U.S. regulators signed off on the move. That coming up in just a moment. And for the latest on the U.S. coronavirus relief bill, check out the Squawkbox podcast. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. and Apple drove the Nasdaq to a record high with the gains adding over $62 billion to the tech titans market cap. That's more than the entire value of General Motors. The rally was sparked by reports suggesting Apple is developing an electric car that could be ready for production by 2024. Elon Musk says he once tried to convince Apple CEO Tim Cook to buy Tesla. Musk took to Twitter yesterday to share the story, saying Cook wouldn't give him a meeting. Well, what an irony that this came as Apple talked about its own plans for an electric vehicle and a battery, and that took the shine off of Tesla's appearance on the S&P 500. And Tesla was down again yesterday. What, another 4% on the back of the previous falls here. So an interesting moment for this revelation from Elon Musk. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, you know, effectively he said he would have sold Tesla for about a tenth of its current value at the time. Uh, so it uh, would have been a price tag of roughly $60 billion uh, at the time. But if you think about uh, what it was also taking place as Tim Cook was not picking up that phone call from Elon Musk, mm. uh, Elon Musk already had this handshake agreement with his friend Larry Page 
over at Google to potentially buy Tesla if required. So we had a backup plan anyway. It yeah. didn't need Tim Cook to be picking up the phone. I think one of the other points is that they got back into, you know, the way of doing business by uh, switching some of the attention to sales, selling the cars very aggressively in a marketing drive to try to bring cash in through the door, which certainly paid off as they booked orders for the Model S. But I think the revelation tells us that they came very close to the edge. And that's fine for an entrepreneur, but not necessarily fine for investors or customers that would have been taken along that ride as well. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about this um, uh, comment is I think it's only for one person, basically. We're all enjoying it, mm. but it's essentially just for Tim Cook, isn't it? Let's face it. And what did you say it was? A tenth of A the tenth value of the now? A tenth value of the time, about $60 billion. Right. So, so basically, um, Director, if you can just take a picture of me at this point. There you go, Tim <laughs> Cook from Elon Musk, because that's, in essence, what he's saying here, isn't it? And I think it, it is also a very interesting gauntlet being thrown down to Tim Cook for coming out and suggesting he wants to move into the same business that Elon Musk is in. Because let's remember, a lot of people have gone down the road, if you'll pardon the pun, on trying to create an electric vehicle at this stage and come up with a better battery. Not least, Mr. Dyson, who we celebrate here in the UK as one of our few entrepreneurs who've gone global with technology. And he ploughed $2 billion into a battery and the idea of an electric car and then cancelled the programme after about three years of trying to make it work. Now, Apple is clearly not Dyson. They have deeper pockets. But the reality is a technology company that thinks it can build a better car than BMW or Volkswagen or any of those companies that have been de been around for 100 years doing it, I think is taking on quite a lot. And we've already seen that with Tesla. Even at this stage, despite this sky-high valuation, there are plenty of people who still don't think that the coachworks of a, te a Tesla are as strong as you see from a German manufacturer, a French or a Japanese auto manufacturer. Right. Maybe it was an encouraging sign for Tim Cook that Elon Musk was struggling through and maybe he thought he could do it better given that he is in the business of hardware and manufacturing devices yeah. at clearly larger scale than what he's been used to in the past. But if you look at the analyst reaction, Morgan Stanley thinks that Apple represents a formidable competition to Tesla. They uh, have uh, serious concerns about the hit that Tesla could take if Apple does bring a car to market because the connected car... And if you think about the connected phone, it's been one of the most central devices that we've used. A connected car of the future also poses uh, huge opportunities along with an electric car in the mix as well. And if you think um, personally, you know, what's going to convince you to go and buy an electric car? And we've all been resistant around the desk. Um, you know, what's on the market hasn't been enough to convince any of us to, to switch our options. Would an Apple car be something that would go into the mainstream and be a huge catalyst for change? I mean, if you look at the adoption of phones. Yeah, I mean, I love the styling, but I do have some questions here. I mean, every time I have to upgrade the software or download new software, is the battery life going to get weaker? Because that's the experience I'm having with my iPhone or my iPad. Um, <laughs> if, if, if my screen freezes and I get the screen of death, um, what happens then if I'm approaching a roundabout at speed?
I mean, there, there, are, there are a number of questions here. Is there going to be anything else in the manual that comes with the car except turn it off and turn it back on again? I mean, there are a lot of issues that need to be resolved before a lot of people will feel comfortable. Well, if we're going to go down this avenue, then does right. that mean we're also going to get a Samsung car? We're we going to get a, a Huawei car because uh, they're the current competitors in the smartphone market. So if one device maker can come up with an electric uh, connected car, then perhaps others can too. So if you've got thicker competition for the auto industry, if Apple opens the door. Uh, I think these are all terrific points that we will get answers to, hopefully, over the course of uh, the next few years. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.